sometimes like this, I tear up. But um, most of us, when we get to our age, the age of most of us here, I should say, we pass through suffering, affliction, lots of difficulties in life, losses and so on. And we've had to prove the Lord in a new way. But not many of us have to face extreme difficulties like Carly has. She's been a part of this church all or most of her life and probably half of, the, half of her life she's suffered a lot. And uh, she's offered to share with us today under the theme of God's power in our weakness. We all know weakness and sometimes we have more weakness than we really would want. But God is faithful and Carly's going to share something of her story, her testimony and God's goodness and her faithfulness to us. I'm going to pray for her first though. Father, we just want to bring Carly before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that she has a testimony to your goodness, your kindness, your intervention, your power in the midst of extreme difficulties. And we pray that our hearts will be open, our hearts will be tender and soft toward you, and that we will learn something from you through this young lady today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Oh, it's such a joy to be sharing with you this morning. I don't know about you, but I could sing I Survey all day. So thank you, Phil and team, for leading us in that. I'm so overjoyed to be sharing with you this morning because I've been away for a few months, sick in hospital, and so it is with an added joy in my step that I am here today. Now, as we come to hear God's word to us today, I want to boldly declare that God wants to speak this message directly to some here today. Brian could have easily shared this message, but the fact that God has compelled me to share this message at a time when, medically speaking, I probably shouldn't be, affirms that God wants to tell this truth directly to someone today. And so, as always, if after the service you would value prayer, the pastoral care team or I would be honoured to pray for you. Will you join me as we come to hear God's word today in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with thankful hearts. We come before you this morning with hearts full of praise. And we want to come before you this morning surrendered to you and invite your word to speak to us. Would you open up the eyes of our hearts to hear the truth of your word today? We pray and ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I wanna to talk to you today about weakness. Now, some of you may be thinking, why on earth would we want to talk about weakness? If I was to ask you to raise your hand if in some way you were feeling weak this morning, I suspect most of you would feel qualified to raise your hand, but not all qualified would actually raise it. We like to present the illusion that we are strong to those around us. We do not generally put our weaknesses on display publicly. We live in a culture that deplores weakness. 
Society today tells us to hide our weakness and only put our best self forward. Sadly, this can impact the way we view those whose weaknesses are visible. We think that weakness is to be hidden, bemoaned, and shamed. We would never delight in weakness. I expect such a negative attitude towards weakness pervaded your childhood. Growing up, were you ever told to just push it down, don't talk about it, take the stiff upper lip? I was chatting to a member of this congregation who as a young man was an avid cricket player. Now bowling was his specialty. One day he bowled the ball with such force that he dislocated his shoulder. But withdrawing injured was not an option. The coach, the shame, the disappointment. He bowled until every opponent had been bowled or batted out. But they won the game. Many of you may have similar memories where such stoicism was strongly encouraged. And perhaps such an attitude remains with you today. But the deploring of weakness is not unique to your generation. In fact, mine are just as bad. You might see your grandchildren or young people create social media profiles which present the perfect self, has to have the perfect picture, devoid of the reality of daily life, highly selective in what we present of ourselves to the surrounding world, for fear we would be viewed as weak and cop criticism. We live in a culture that deplores weakness. But the deploring of weakness is not unique to our society. In fact, weakness was deplored in first century Palestine when Paul was writing his letters to the Corinthian Christians. In Paul's day, weakness was not something to boast about. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter, to the, sec the second letter to the Corinthian church, he wrote, to confront opponents. These opponents were false apostles who were rejecting and calling Paul's ministry as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ into question. They had found Paul's apostolate to be deficient. The reason this was was because they had seen his perceived weakness and they thought that they were superior. They commended themselves as physically and spiritually stronger than Paul and used this strength to, to allure many Corinthian Christians to accept a distorted gospel. Paul's opponents proudly boasted in their worldly virtues. Paul lived in a culture that deplored weakness. And so in Paul's culture and amongst Christian circles today, Weakness was and sadly can be viewed as a sign of God's disfavour towards the individual afflicted. When someone is weak, they are often seen as cursed or rejected by God. Their spiritual authority is questioned. We see this attitude clearly in the book of Job. The bottom line is, is that we do not generally view weak people as godly. A consequence of this is that in life, we experience hardships that make us feel weak 
and cannot believe that weakness could be an avenue for God's blessing. But God has a different perspective concerning human weakness. We will see this in our passage today. Our passage speaks into this context of weakness that we have discussing. For Paul's opponents, the greatest thing to boast about was human strength. So while they boasted gladly in their worldly virtues, Paul radically overturns the grounds for which to boast. He says, but if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Boasting in our weakness? This is not how the world tells us to boast. And this beautifully leads us to our passage for today. If you have your Bibles with you, I would like to encourage you to open them up to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. It says, Therefore, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord for him to take my weakness from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow, these are powerful words. Now of all people, Paul had the human grounds to boast. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews, unrivaled in his zeal for the Lord. He had labored perilously for the Christian cause and had scars to show his ardor. Not only did Paul boast a remarkable conversion experience, but he had received heavenly revelations so surpassingly great, he was forbidden to share. But despite all these things, he refused to boast in himself. He would boast only in his weakness. Now some of us, when we hear this passage, in view of our own experience, we may feel like cynics. The idea that we are strong when we are weak goes against the natural way of thinking. To the world, the logic of this passage, that God could use our weakness as an avenue to demonstrate his strength or even bless us, it just seems paradoxical. But it beautifully brings God's grace to bear in the daily struggles of life. But because this passage is so countercultural, how can we believe that it's true? Where can we look to find an analogy of God working through human weakness? Well, standing at the cornerstone of the Christian faith, we need not look any further than to the cross of Christ. First Corinthians 1:18 says, 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To the eyes of the world, that the Jewish Messiah hung humiliated on a cross was the ultimate display of human weakness. But it was on that cross where Christ bled and died that the most powerful act of God's grace and salvation and power unveiled. Christ's human weakness wrought the redemption of mankind. Now, in the same way, God has chosen us in our weakness to demonstrate his strength. Not only is weakness a place where we can receive God's grace, it is the place where he can most powerfully demonstrate the resurrection power of Christ. As many of you will have experienced, human weakness can outstrip us of the worldly sources of happiness. It forces us to depend on God alone to satisfy our deepest needs. And it is when we, frail little branches, cling to the true vine for nourishment that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When God says, my grace is made perfect in weakness. The Greek word perfect may be translated as complete or entirely accomplished. Our weaknesses therefore have immeasurable power because they alone provide the grounds for Christ to manifest the fullness of his resurrection power. Though in life we experience hardships that make us feel weak and cannot believe that weakness could be an avenue for God's blessing, I wanna encourage you here today that it is when you are weak that you are most powerful. God's strength transcends your weakness. Now there are two key elements at work in the logic of this passage to demonstrate how it is when we are weak that we are strong. Now it's human nature to believe that we can do things in our own strength. To prove this point, if you are able, I'd like you all to take a deep breath in and out with me. But don't breathe too deeply because it has to be in a COVID safe way, of course. <laughs> okay, ready? Breathe in and out. Now, whether you are conscious of it or not, the very fact that you have breath in your lungs is only possible by a gracious act of God. Now, for some of us, breathing may not be an overly difficult task. You might think, Carly, I could take that breath on my own. However, there are others who might have cardiac or lung issues, for example, for which every single breath is a struggle. Every single time we breathe, we are so aware that we need God's help in order to breathe. God's strength has been made perfect in our weakness. Now stay with me. 
The struggle to breathe reflects in this phrenology, one's utter dependence on God. So when we see those who struggle to breathe or even more accomplish certain physical tasks, we cannot help but see God's hand at work through human weakness and give glory to him. God's strength has been made perfect amongst those who carry this weakness. We see God's grace shining through human weakness. Because we were created to depend on God but have been blinded by the allure of human strength since the fall, God's power is most clearly at work in us when we appear weak. Because it is when we are weak that we are forced back into that position which God created us to be. Now, because this passage is so countercultural, I need to clear up a few misconceptions concerning its theology. Misconception number one weakness is not the necessary condition, nor is it the one and only condition to receive God's grace and power. Weakness is not the necessary condition, nor is it the single condition for receiving God's grace and power. In this passage, Paul is not promoting a theology of martyrdom. Paul didn't seek to suffer. All his sufferings listed are passive. Paul can delight in weakness, not because weaknesses are inherently good. Elsewhere, he bemoans weakness as a devastating consequence of the fall. So because weakness is not part of God's good creation, It is not a necessary condition to receive God's power. But human weakness in and of itself also does not display divine power. It is only when we acknowledge our weaknesses and come to God in a state of dependence that God is able to use our weaknesses to demonstrate his strength. The weaker we are, the more dependent we become on the grace of God. We are no longer relying on ourselves, but on God's grace. But we do not need to be demonstrably weak in order to receive God's grace and display his power. God's power can be at work through both our strengths and weaknesses as we use them to magnify him. Taking the analogy from before, God's grace and power remained at work, whether or not you were a strong or weak breather. His grace was not conditional upon your ability to breathe. And so, looking at all of you from up here, I can see so much of God's grace and power at work. Weakness is not the necessary condition for God's power. This leads us to misconception number two, which is a trap we moderns can easily fall into. We are not strong when we are weak by exhibiting the modern descendant of ancient Stoicism, the power of positive thinking, which claims we are able to overcome our weaknesses by fighting their associated negativity. With positive thinking, we might think, I can do this. I can push through the pain. I will persevere. But in reality, 
Such an attitude relies on human strength and not the power of God. For Paul, weakness is not the result of us being unable to fight negative thoughts or influences. Weakness is a real suffering and powerlessness, which is a result of living in a fallen, broken world. As such, weakness cannot simply be overcome by a positive thought pattern. We need not more willpower, but the power of God. And herein lies the key difference between the two patterns of life. With positive thinking, the answer to our prayers is the self, but the answer to our prayers in faith is God himself. We are strong when we are weak only because of God's grace. We rely not on ourselves, but on God himself. When we are weak, they do not demonstrate, our weaknesses do not demonstrate our own bravery or resilience. Instead, they demonstrate the awesome grace and power of God. And this leads us finally to misconception number three. While God's promise of his all-sufficient grace is a universal promise to us, that God chose not to remove Paul's individual thorn was a promise specific to Paul. Paul's thorn was God's particular prescription to keep him from becoming conceited. Our own weaknesses may not be so prescribed. We are therefore still able to approach God and ask that they be removed. But if they are not, God's promise provides us the assurance that his grace is sufficient for us, for his power is made perfect in weakness. Like Paul, our weaknesses can become vehicles through which we can tangibly experience God's power and receive his grace. The beautiful climax of 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10 is thus the all-sufficiency of God's grace in every situation. No matter what weaknesses we may be experiencing, that suffering can never outstrip God's endless supply of grace. So when we are no longer blinded by these misconceptions, we can then hold on to the promise that God is and always will be our strength in weakness. Now I want to highlight to you the authority that I have in preaching this passage comes from God's word alone. Many of you would be more qualified to speak about weakness than me. And while this passage is one that I have clung to over a 14 year journey of chronic illness, its power and truth has become so real to me over the last four months during a recent hospital admission where I was told that without radical intervention, I may not see another year. I rejoice that I am a physically weak person because it makes me more dependent on the grace of God every minute of every day. And God's grace is always more than enough. 
And it is as I receive God's grace, clinging to him as a weak creature in utter dependence. I know that any good you see in me is God and not Carly. God is my strength in weakness. And although I did not want to publicly display the fact that my body doesn't work properly by preaching to you while receiving treatment, after wrestling with God through sleepless nights, the conviction that God wanted to show someone here today that he wants to be their strength in weakness gladly pulls me from, from my rest bed, made me swallow my pride and have the great privilege of sharing this word to you today. To delight in our weakness is to boast about what the Lord is doing by his grace and power. After all, boasting only has value if it attracts attention to God. And weakness just does that, does just that. We no longer see the weak little vessel, but we see the mighty God. 2 Corinthians 4.7 powerfully encapsulates this truth. It says, He has placed his treasure in jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us. God has chosen us in our weaknesses to demonstrate his strength. Now, it's interesting to note that in this passage, Paul talks about being given a thorn in the flesh. This thorn in some way had rendered Paul weak. What's even more interesting to note is that Paul does not particularly, uh, Paul does not, um, sorry, what's, it's interesting to note that Paul doesn't specify the precise nature of this thorn. This has led many scholars to debate about its meaning. Tomorrow there could be a PhD in it for you if you want to. Some scholars suggest that Paul's thorn refers to a physical element, a physical ailment of some kind, perhaps an eye problem or a severe disfigurement. Some suggest that this thorn denotes an unnamed physical disability that had made life for Paul painfully difficult. Others suggest that the thorn refers to a person, an opponent or a relationship strain that deeply burdened Paul and affected everything he did. Still others suggest that it refers to some kind of demonic illness. I believe that this ambiguity is on purpose. I think that God wanted to keep the nature of Paul's specific thorn unknown to us so that we could then apply his promise to Paul in his weaknesses to our own weakness. God's promise to Paul in his weakness is true for us today. And so, what's your thorn? Are you feeling weak physically? Are you feeling weak spiritually? Are you feeling weak relationally? Well, this is God's word for you today. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace is sufficient for you.
Today, God wants to meet with you and fill you with an endless supply of his grace. And as you receive his grace, God wants to use you because of your weakness to demonstrate his power. To delight in weakness is to boast gladly about what the Lord is doing by his power. And so today, I want to invite you to delight in your weaknesses with me today. God has placed his treasure in each of us as jars of clay to show us that his all-surpassing power comes from him and not from us. God has chosen us in our weaknesses to demonstrate his strength. In this moment and in every moment now and in the future, God is and always will be our strength in weakness. Will you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we want to come before you this morning with hearts surrendered. Thank you that you love us, that you see us, that you know our weakness. You know what each and every single one of us in this room is experiencing. And so this morning, we want to open up our hearts to receive your grace. I pray that you would pour out your grace into every heart afresh right now. Would we know your sufficiency, meeting our every need? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in order to receive the resurrection power of Christ. We invite you to be our strength in weakness. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pray for Carly. Father, our hearts have been blessed. We've been touched by the Spirit of God this morning. We thank you for the grace, the courage, the humility, the boldness that you've given Carly. But that's not something that's just popped up this morning. Those characteristics, those qualities of Christ have come because of a close walk with you. And all that you've taken her through, all the sickness, all the hospitalization has brought her nearer to you 
That's her testimony, and we see the difference. We just want to commend her to you, Lord. Say thank you for her. Thank you for her testimony. Thank you for what you revealed to her and shown to us through her. And we pray that as she continues to walk with you through suffering, through weakness, she will know that incredible grace that can only come from you. And we pray that her testimony will resonate in their minds and our hearts and ears of many people more yet, particularly medical people who see her day after day when she's hospitalized. We pray, Lord, that she'll be a great blessing, that as she glories in her weakness, the strength and the delight and the joy of Jesus will continue to shine through. In Jesus' name, amen. stand together and it, it, our last song is, is a song we often sing it's, it's called The Goodness of God and I've just noticed as I was sitting there this morning it's all written in the first person so even though we're corporately singing together uh, we can make a personal response to all that God's been saying to us this morning
pray that those words will be so true that all our days we will sing of your goodness. We pray that you'll remind us of that, even when things are getting tough. We'll sing and speak and think of your goodness. We thank you, Father, for this time together, this time of fellowship and worship, this time of hearing your word and a lovely testimony of your grace. And we pray that you'll watch over us now, Lord, as we go our various ways. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, as Carly said, if you would like prayer, there are a number of us here who would love to pray with you. you can, Carly can pray with you or some of the pastoral team. So please either go and have some morning tea or come and receive some prayer. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye.